welcome back to HodgePodge. I'm your host, Allison Klakowitz. Today's guest is Tamsin Wood, a children's book author out of the United Kingdom, who has authored more than a dozen gorgeous children's picture books filled with adorable fairy tales which hold important life lessons. We discuss her writing and inspiration, as well as how motherhood played a great role in finding her way to publishing books for children. Stay tuned for our conversation here on HodgePodge. Welcome to HodgePodge, Tamsin. Thank you so much, Adlison. Yes, I'm thrilled to have you here. Tamsin is calling in today all the way from the United Kingdom. And it's so lovely to speak with you. Thank we were, you. Yes, yes. We were just chatting before we started um, talking about <laughs> life as parents, as, as mothers, <laughs> during this unusual time in life for all of us. And so I was just hoping you could share a little bit about yourself and uh, life in the UK and how you guys are faring during this time um, of COVID-19. I think we've all found our inner strengths. I think if somebody had said to me four months ago, you would be able to survive in your house day in, day out, (laughs) 24-7 with a teenager and a very, very mature nine-year-old without wanting to dangle them headfirst out of the bedroom window, (laughs) I wouldn't have believed it. But we are all still here. Everybody is still breathing and we still like each other. And it's amazing, isn't it? <laughs> Most days, yes. We have our moments. We have moments where it's anything but amazing. And mommy goes out into the garden and, and there's a, a little cloud of blue smoke above my head where I, you can almost see my temper rising and disappearing <laughs> somewhere. But, yeah, we're doing good. Yes. And I love that transparency and that honesty because it's what we're all feeling and what we're uh, all experiencing. You know, it it is not easy. Um, And and like you said, there have been days where surprisingly we've we've survived and and done really well and other days where we've wanted to tear our hair out. But we're here, we're doing it, and we're adjusting. I think uh, it makes everyone appreciate what they have. I think it makes us appreciate the little things. I think it's made a lot of us who are in the lucky enough position to be able to, to slow down and really realize just how good we have life when we strip everything away, and it's just back to the very basics. Right, and that you're surrounded by the people that most matter. Absolutely, and, yeah. And and what other time in life will we get to have all of this this time together? Right? Exactly. I don't think anybody has experienced this in their lifetimes who's who's around today. That this kind of difference, this kind of new normal, people are calling it, this kind of appreciation for the little things in life, of spending time together, of really keeping in touch with people. You know, I've spoken to people recently I haven't spoken to maybe in a long time because life gets in the way. You're you're always too mm-hmm. busy doing those little things that seem so important. And then when those things are suddenly pushed to one side, you suddenly realize how much time you have left to do the things that are really, really important. 
Yes, definitely. I agree 100%. And, and really, it, it, it's something going forward from here. I mean, we're, we're still not sure what the next months ahead look like. But something that I hope that we're able to keep <laughs> and, and, and letting go of especially here in the U.S. I, I think the U.K. is a little bit similar in that mindset also, but it's rush, 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 go, go, go. You know, everything is fast paced and you're having to to keep up with appointments and over scheduling. And really, I've enjoyed that that part of it, <laughs> that letting go of any guilt <laughs> and just being able to relax for the most part. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, I've had to take on as probably thousands, hundreds of thousands, maybe even millions of people, the role of school teacher. I have two children at home. One is nearly 14. One is nearly 10. They're both obviously in full time school normally. And I've had to become uh, a high school teacher and a, a, a grade school teacher. And it's it's been a real experience. Some days I just don't know how teachers do it. And other days I quite enjoy it. Right. No, I, I, I get that. Were they doing um, virtual classes where they were meeting virtually in their classrooms or were they predominantly doing just more uh, homeschool style, you know, work it's, from home? It's more online learning. It's um, the tasks are given and then they kind of work through the work. My daughter works through a week's worth of work in her own time during five days my son is given uh, several subjects each day which he has to complete in a designated time to hand them in um, for the deadlines which I think is good for him because it will make it less hard when he goes back to normal school because he won't suddenly think oh I've got plenty of time to finish that and he won't have kind of rested on his laurels and think it's going to be a breeze because he's only got two years until he does his uh, exams which uh, well it's our GCSEs which I believe is your SATs mm, okay um, yes. so his well high school end of end of year exams before he will graduate and then decide what he wants to do for higher education and I don't believe in sitting there and letting them treat it like it's a holiday there is plenty of time to do things that we wouldn't normally be able to do we've done cooking we've done beautiful uh, walks when the weather allows because you've heard England is the rainiest country on the planet it's raining <laughs> at the moment um, it's, it's we've had quite a bit of rain I'm on the in North Carolina and we're off the coast and so we get <laughs> quite a bit of weather <laughs> here yes yeah let's leave it at that we get weather that's, that's <laughs> what we get you can't wake up in the morning and decide it's going to be sunny today because it could be sunny for an hour and then next thing it'll be hailing or thunderstorms <laughs> or goodness knows what so yeah you kind of get very similar all weathers you kind of wear you know, your shorts, your T-shirt, your your jumper, your raincoat, you take an umbrella and a sun hat. You, you're prepared for everything. Yes, we know we, we're very similar <laughs> in that. <laughs> Definitely. So in all of this, so I'm, I'm thinking, though, that your children are in very good hands um, because their mother is obviously a very brilliant person um, because you are the author of close to a dozen books. 
um, and beautiful books dealing with issues such as loss of loved one, um, mental health, um, even on to seasonal books, uh, celebrating Christmas and Easter, and then books just teaching really valuable life lessons. Um, I just want to say that is an amazing accomplishment. Um, kudos to you. <laughs> and how on earth have you have you done this? When did you when did you publish your first book? What was your first book? I- I published my first book in 2015 and it was a book I wrote for a little girl I'd read about in the newspaper. Her father was sick, she was sick and he uh, had a brain tumour, an inoperable brain tumour and his dying wish was he wanted to raise enough money for his child's treatment so that he would leave her healthy when he passed away. And that story just spoke to me so much. I thought, you know, I'm a mother and how would I feel if I was left with this choice? Do I get busy living or do I get busy dying? And obviously he definitely got busy living before he died. And I felt compelled to write this story and it was very well received. It helped raise quite a bit of money um, for for the family. The little girl is now fully recovered and thriving. How wonderful. Um, sadly, she did lose her daddy. Um, but it just, it really compelled me to keep going. I'd always been interested in writing stories. And it just made me think, you don't put off till tomorrow what you could do today. There, there might not be another chance to get something done you might not always just get that chance that you're waiting for for no good reason. So I just started writing stories and bedtime stories that I told my kids turned into books and more books and more <laughs> books. And here we are. I have I have a library that it's so that it's such an it's so inspiring to me. And, and I want to go back to what you were just saying, you know, not putting it off um, that now is the time, you know, if you're sitting there listening and you have a goal or whether it be writing or, or whatever, but, you know, I used to tell myself that, you know, that, oh, I'm just too busy or I, I just can't, you know, it's too much. And even, you know, I just, it's, who am I to think I'm going to do all this and blah, blah, blah. And then one day, you know, you have an an epiphany. I think for me, it was turning 40. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, yeah, it is definitely now or never. (laughs) You've wanted to do this your whole life. You better do it now. Right. And having children, I heard you talk about this also with, um, in an interview with our mutual friend, Jonathan Masalonis and his um, amazing uh, children's uh, book, uh, um, author feature story time that he does through empowered publicity. And he was interviewing you and, and you were talking about like the different stages of your life, which I could identify with <laughs> and finding yourself finally in your thirties after having a child and settling yourself and, and getting inspired by that. And I think that um, motherhood does inspire us and, and helps kind of round us out. It, it, it gives us, something more than just ourselves <laughs> to think yes. about, doesn't it? 
Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> so I just, um, I wanted to mention that because I, I could really identify with, with that. So yes, if you're out there listening, go for it. So, um, so you've said now what kind of led you to write, had you always written stories even before then, or had writing been any kind of a, a passion? It had. I wrote stories when I was at school. English was my favorite subject. Um, my mother will tell you that English was really the only subject I bothered mm-hmm. with <laughs> at school. Um, I was, oh, I was a very lazy child at school. I could have done so much better. It's one of those things that, you know, looking back, you know, that if I knew then what I know now, I would have probably worked a lot harder. But English, I loved. I just found it so interesting and so inspiring and so imaginative and I worked for my junior newspaper Mm -hmm. when I was in Mm -hmm. high school and sixth form college and then I completely lost my way um there were too many things going on in my 20s that 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 led me in different directions Mm -hmm. and I lost my focus and I didn't find it again until I had children Mm -hmm. and then obviously you you are responsible for another person and that matters and what you do matters and what you say matters. Every choice that is made is so important. And that really made me grow up. It really made me think about things. And that kind of led me back to where I had been with all these ideas and and things that I wanted to impart on my children. And that is where everything that goes into my books comes from. I love that. That's so poignant and beautiful. <laughs> you just said it all so brilliantly and, and, and gave such such wonderful perspective. And, and I agree with all of that. I, I want to talk about your books. I had I've had the opportunity to to read um, some of your books and peruse them. And <clears throat> I just love the style and themes of your books. Um, we had spoken earlier that, you know, they're filled with magic and fairies and all of these whimsical, wonderful <clears throat> stories. And um, the illustrations are, are really struck me because they reminded, I was telling you that they reminded me of the books from our era. Um, you and I are uh, uh, in the same age group and yes yes and um yes (laughs) and um those books from like the late 70s they had these very unique um there's just a very unique style about those and and that's what your books remind me of um and also the character names and titles of your books are just adorable um uh, such a the what tales of Kangleford Knock and Hobnock Hill to Bognock Wood, <laughs> they're just so fun to say. And um, uh, so, what uh, did do you feel that you were inspired by those books of our generation, or um, you know, where did you come up with all of these magical? Uh, books and and images and and names um every character is either one of my friend's children or one of my children's friends 
So they are all real people. So I don't see little drawings, little cute characters. I see the people who they are based on, who they are inspired by. And every little detail, every mannerism, every behavior that each of those characters has is based on the person I know behind that character, which to me gives them so much more depth and it made it so much more of an easy thing to write about them and make them come off the page more because I feel that, you know, you need to feel that you know that character, that you understand that character and that you can relate to that character. And this is the thing I really, really want within my stories is I want children everywhere no matter what country they're in when they read them, even if some of the language in the books isn't maybe spelled the same because of differences, if words maybe have a slightly different meaning, that the themes in the stories are the same. The themes are all relatable. They're all common between any any group of children that you would find, friendship, love, sharing, being kind, being responsible, helping each other, believing in yourself. These are all things that we want our children to learn. And what better way to try and teach them than through a beautiful storybook with pictures that they look at and they see these characters and they think, I want to be just like mm-hmm. you. That they can easily identify with, you know, there's a therapeutic um, intervention within your books that, you know, can be used through counseling or, you know, just um, within an educational, within the classroom, uh, important social interaction, um, self-esteem and self-governance messages in those in those books have you worked um, alongside with maybe your local school districts or any uh, in any way how how have your books been received just in your local community I have been into um, some of the local schools in my area I I find that it's it's much more fun when you have an an audience when you can engage people and i love more than anything to hear back from somebody who's bought my book and maybe sent me a text message or an email or a facebook message just to say we read your book and it really helped it helped with a fear that my child had or it helped with a problem they were having and it made them feel stronger it gave them courage and that to me is is amazing that just makes me feel like that was the reason I wrote these books that was the reason that I put myself out there to share what I do um, so that somebody even if it's just one person can get something from my books and feel empowered by them and that was why I felt so connected to Jonathan when I began working with him because he is just so encouraging he completely gets what my books are trying to say what I want to achieve and he's been an amazing help and I've also had great support from Magic Beans Bookstore which is an online bookstore based in California and Liat and Sol have been so encouraging just to get me brave enough to set my books out there. That was actually how I managed to hook up Mm -hmm. with Jonathan Mm -hmm. through them. And they just gave me that encouragement that, you know, 
you can you can show your books to a wider audience you can you can sell yourself you can go out there and say hey i've got a message i've got something i really want to share with you and you need to listen and i think that's another thing i want to really push within my stories is to give kids the courage to say what they want to say if they have good ideas they need to share them they need to stand up and say I've got a great idea. Do you want to hear it? If they have a worry, they need to stand up and say, I'm worrying about this. Can somebody help me? And that's what I, I really want is to empower kids everywhere, not just help them with their reading, but teach them that they're all individuals. They're all wonderful people. They all have their own individual gifts and they really need to share them. And it took me so long to share the gift I'd been given of being able to write and 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 you create stories but to finally be doing it it's like being set free and it's an amazing feeling yes yeah and you're so you're so good at articulating that also just um just through talking about your books and your inspiration so i think it's wonderful for uh aspiring authors out there to be able to listen to you and your journey and about your books. Um, your daughter, Imogen, is that correct? Yes. That's correct. She yeah. was your muse in both um, A Light in the Darkness and Foreverly Yours, two, uh, again, beautiful books that feature your daughter who is uh, – kind of becomes the character of uh, the image of the character in, in the books. Um, and both of these books have lovely helping themes. Um, can you elaborate a little bit about these books? Um, a Light in the Darkness, I wrote, I took my daughter to a photo shoot that she'd actually won in a competition. Oh. And I just, I watched this story unfold before my eyes it was just one of those you talked earlier about having an epiphany and it was one of those moments where I had an epiphany I saw these photographs as, as Mike the photographer was taking them and I just this story this whole story came to me about this little girl who was so sad and lost and lonely and then she found a friend just one single friend who offered her that one thing that she needed most which was a light mm -hmm in the darkness and just that little bit of courage to keep going. And I find that is such a relatable subject at the moment. You know, the whole world is aware mm -hmm. of mental health. The whole world is speaking out about issues that before were completely taboo. You didn't talk about it. You didn't think about it. You didn't show anyone that you were struggling. You didn't tell anyone you were afraid. And now you can. It's okay to not be okay. That's an actual slogan that we have over here in our mental health campaigns. And I really want to push that, especially to young people and to children, because it's so important that they realize that it is not a weakness to ask for help it's not no it, a bad thing to say I'm struggling and I want this book to say to them if you are having a bad time it's okay you can get through it you just need to ask for help and I wanted to put that in a beautiful way so that it wouldn't frighten them to have to read about it because you don't want to read a boring textbook that the doctor's given you saying these are the seven oh. steps to not being depressed or miserable you want to read something that 
makes you want to be brave, that makes you want to get better if you're feeling that way. And I felt that that book did this. Yes. Foreverly Yours was a difficult book to write because um, it was inspired by um, a friend of mine who it was it was an awful time. They lost their mm-hmm. daughter um, on Christmas Day. Um, little Everly passed away in the early hours of Christmas morning two years ago. And I was just so shocked when I spoke to her father and he told me the news. It, it was just one of those moments that you think this just cannot possibly be real. This cannot be true. And I just, I'd had this story kind of down on paper and it didn't really mean anything to me. And then I was able to incorporate what happened to Everly into the story. And it suddenly was had so much meaning and it meant so much more than just a little angel who goes and helps somebody. It was real. It became so deep. And I wanted to, again, share with children that if if they lose somebody in their life, it's not something that they should keep hidden. It's not something that they should keep buried inside of them. It's okay to sit there and say, I'm not having a good day today. I'm really struggling. I'm really sad. And ask for help. Yes. Ask for guidance. Ask for somebody to just give them a hug and not just think, I've got to be strong. I've got to be brave. Because you can't be all the time. We know as adults, you cannot be super mom all the time. You cannot be superhuman every single day. Some days you just want to take your armor off and say, I really can't do this today. And I want my books as well as encouraging people to show them that it's okay to show your vulnerability. It's okay to show that you are just a human being. Because there are so many human beings out there, ordinary people, who are so amazing. They're superheroes. We're seeing in our society at the moment very ordinary people doing such extraordinary things. Our medical staff, our emergency services, people who are just like you and me, but they are saving the world one person at a time. And that is who I want our children to aspire to be. I want our children not to want to be famous. I don't want them to want to be reality stars. I want them to be superheroes just by being good people. Yes, definitely. Can you hear me, Tamsin? We were coming in and out. I can hear you. I can hear you. (laughs) Yes. You said so much, I don't even know where, where to start. But um, I wanted to note that when you were speaking about for Everly Yours a couple of years ago, our family experienced a very similar um, thing where we had some friends whose son um, passed away and from uh, after a, a, a very hard fought battle against pediatric cancer and it was devastating and it was devastating to watch them go through that. And, um, but I wrote a poem for that family and, and they were, you know, because I was so like you taken and have thought about, you know, over the years, you know, possibly publishing a book, um, uh, based on that because it is important uh, to be able to to 
celebrate, but also understand and uh, loss and, and especially the loss of a child is just, it's incredible. But going back to the latter part of what you were talking about, the everyday hero. Yes. The most miraculous people right now are the, are the smallest humans who are, are getting up, going to work every day, doing amazing things just by showing up for their, their community and for their fellow human. And, um, and I think that is definitely the greatest lesson that right now that we can all learn and want to aspire to be just better humans. Absolutely. (laughs) Um, so what other projects do you have on the horizon? Oh my goodness. My, I'd love to say I'm, I'm, I'm going to take the summer (laughs) off, but I have so much rolling around in my noggin, as we like to say here in England, I have so many ideas and I, some days I can't get them down on paper fast enough. Um, I have a book that I'm, uh, I thought, well, I finished working on the text side of it and it's having the illustrations done right now. And it is the story of a Miss Phoebe Stropolot. <laughs> she is the naughtiest little girl in school and she is going back to school in September and you are going to see all of her adventures. She's absolutely frightful. She makes me look like an angel. Um, and she finds out very quickly that bad behavior does not get her friends and so she has a very special visitor come and teach her a very valuable lesson so I'm looking forward to that That one that's going to be out in school just ready for when our kids go back to school I believe your kids have just gone back to school um in the states haven't they well our year-round um children are are going to be going back to school in July, but we will not begin school until uh, mid-August. And so we're awaiting to hear what school is going to look like. (laughs) It's going to be interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Trying to, trying to get all the children to walk in the same direction (laughs) and goodness knows what it's going to be, it's going to be fun. Yeah. Yeah. If you Um, say so. (laughs) I do not envy the teachers one little bit. Not at all. I admire teachers more now than I ever have. And I've always been a huge advocate of public education and teachers. And, but now even more so. So let me ask you this, um, to end our conversation, what have you learned on your journey toward publication? Um, what has been, uh, what are some of the lessons that you've learned and any words of advice that you might have to other aspiring authors listening in? I think, first of all, if you have a wonderful idea, if you think it's wonderful, get it down on paper. Don't sit there and think about it and talk yourself out of it and say, oh, maybe it's not such a great idea. Because if you think, if your gut tells you it's a good idea, it probably is. Get it down on paper you won't get a perfect copy the first draft. You will probably go back to it umpteen times before you're happy with it, and then you might not still be happy with it. I'm, I, I still look at my work and think, oh, I could improve on that. But keep trying. Never give up on it on an idea. And then 
I took the self-publishing route because I, I just wanted to get my work out there and I couldn't take that many rejection letters from publishing <laughs> companies. I didn't want to sit there until I was retired and still not have a book deal. And I thought, no, I want to share my work and I believe in my work and you need to believe in your work and put it out there. Find somebody awesome to do your illustrations. If your story is awesome, it deserves awesome drawings. And I have been very, very lucky to work with some amazing illustrators, uh, Claire James, Sarah Waterfield, Melissa Schroeder, all of them absolutely fantastic at what they do. Sylvia Huffnagels. I've had some fantastic photographers on board with me as well. Um, Mike Eldon and Wink Photography and Eileen Mason. And they have all contributed so much to my books. My books would be nothing if not partnered with those beautiful drawings and photographs. And that marriage of text and photograph or illustration, whether it be uh digital drawing or pencil drawing it needs to fit so don't just rush into something take your time find the perfect illustrator be prepared to pay that little bit more for the quality that you will get because it needs to be right if you want to put a book out there that you can look at when it's finished and say I'm really proud of that you need to put the effort and the time and sometimes the money into it and you will reap the rewards afterwards because what you will get in your hand will be hopefully an amazing book mm. and yeah yeah <laughs> I think that is it's is a wonderful advice, especially the illustrations. You know, though, I, I know some that have done some very, um, they, they might've done the illustrations themselves, but they're still very charming. And, but there is something about a classic book with beautiful hand-drawn illustrations um, or digital illustrations but done very well that just really pops and and speaks to you like your yours did do you have one final thing do you have a final uh, I meant a favorite book that you've written um or a favorite I... character I have to be biased and say the fairies on Kangleford Knock with my children in has to be my favorite because they're immortalized in a book now forever and ever and ever. And when they're grown up and too old to sit on my knee and read stories with me, maybe they will take those books and read them to their children and it will have extra meaning because the characters are them and it will be something that I've handed down to my children that is unique and comes from no one and nowhere else. What a priceless gift you've given them and the world by writing all of these beautiful, beautiful books. Thank you, Tamsin, so much. I've loved our conversation today. And maybe when your next book comes out, you can come back and, and talk to us a little bit more in depth about, about that book. Um, and I hope that life in the UK um, continues to, to go well and, and you continue to fare well and, <laughs> and Oh, thank you so much, Alison. It's been an absolute pleasure to talk to you. I've enjoyed every yes. minute. 
I have too. And if anyone is listening um, that would like to purchase Tamsin's books, um, her links, uh, her social media links and links to being able to purchase those books will be embedded in the blog post that accompanies this podcast. Um, Again, thank you so much, Tamsin, for uh, speaking to us today. And thank you to all of our listeners. This is Allison with HodgePodge. Um, Stay tuned for next time.